so excited that you have joined me for the first episode of the third season of the Older and Boulder podcast. And today's episode is an interview conversation I did with a colleague and now dear friend, Wendy Hornbauer. And Wendy talks about in this interview, in this, in our conversation really about how her life changed through her adult years from, you know, deciding to be a, a mom at home for a while to being involved in her community and all the things she learned along the way that brought her to where she is today, the co-founder and chief innovation officer of Intune Collective. So I hope you enjoy this and that maybe there's a few nuggets in this interview for you to hear that you'll get to consider how your life has and is growing and changing all along the journey. Thanks for listening. Here we go. Hello, friends. Welcome to the Older and Bolder podcast. My name is Krista, and I am here today with Wendy Hornbrower. And Wendy not only is my friend, but she is also the co-founder and chief innovation and learning officer at Intune Collective. She started and has been growing her business during COVID and as her kids transition into adulthood. She's an educator, a user experience designer, adult rites of passage guide, visual facilitator, consultant, and a somatic-based life coach. Working with mid-sized, rapidly growing business leaders and teams as well as individuals, she believes that she's exactly where she's supposed to be, doing what she's supposed to be doing. She raised her kids in the San Francisco Bay Area, and Wendy enjoys playing drums, hiking, cooking, traveling, and making art. Wendy, welcome to the podcast. Hi, Krista. So happy to be here and uh, to meet your audience today. Well, I'm just so grateful that you're here because I love having conversations with you. As I mentioned at the beginning of this introduction, uh, Wendy, you and I met each other last year, oh, a little over a year ago. We were both in a, in a business mastermind. And I think something between us clicked and definitely we've enjoyed staying in touch and watching each other uh, change and grow since that time and yes. i and i asked you on because i think your story is really fascinating because my listener the listeners of this podcast are often people that are going into or in the middle of midlife and i think it's really helpful to see what some people are doing in the times it could become almost a stagnation or um, a feeling stuck place. And mm -hmm. I know that you've made some very, uh, what would you, how would you define that? Like considerable changes or? Yeah. Some big growth in the last couple of years, especially. Um, yeah. I have friends who um, have known me for a while and to just note, you know, the changes that I've gone through, like you said, in the past few years, the journey's actually been much longer 
Um, I would say that there's some rallying points in my life where I can look back and say, oh yeah, I'm glad I made that choice back then. I was following some part of my intuition and um, all of that has helped shape who I am today. Mm. The more that I uh, go inward and really trust myself and allow myself to be guided by me, um, it's helped, you know, um, make that growth much more exponential. Oh, and great. deep. Mm -hmm. So you are currently a, a co-founder and um, I mean, you're more than just the co-founder of Intune. Yes. Tell yeah. Me, tell us a little bit about that for a moment. Um, I'm a consultant. So right now I spend a lot of my time working virtually and most recently um, some live events with uh, leaders, like C CTOs, CMOs, CEOs of people who um, are, have started businesses and they've just been growing so fast because of whatever they're, they've created. And we help the teams become a, a team. We, help, we helped recently a, um, a group of three leaders who've started a company that's grown uh, to multi-million dollar you know, company and to spread that leadership out to 15 people. So they've hired, brought new people on. They were working as uh, middle managers, but now they're elevating everyone into a leadership team. And so how does that happen when people have a mindset of what my role is, what I have permission to do, what my authority is, and to blend it so that people feel like they can trust each other, um, that they want to be a part of this team. They they trust that they're, they have the authority to go do what they want. So it's a lot of that kind of work. Um, in examples, we also walk through the history of this company and graphically recorded all the stories of the people in the room. So at the end of that exercise, there's a stepping back of like, aha, like now we see why we do the things that we do as a company. Mm -hmm. um, now we understand why the culture is the way it is or why we're driven the way we are. And so I love that kind of consulting work because I feel like what it does is it helps shed light and bring more clarity but it also helps the human beings lean in and really believe like, oh yeah, I belong here, right? Like I have something to contribute and I belong here. That's what I'm after for people. Right, because before this, so you've had um, a lot of educator, we're working in education experience. Mm -hmm. So do you mind taking us back a little bit and telling us a little bit about how you got to this point with working with leadership teams and mm -hmm. helping them see, it sounds like a really holistic view. I don't know how mm -hmm. you would describe that. But going to um, Yeah, I mean, if you don't mind a longer story, I can just start a little bit by um, the fact that, you know, I'm Chinese American, I was mm -hmm. born overseas. And I was raised um, in the Midwest, you know, by a mom who had been trained to be a dentist. She went to medical school at a time in the 60s when um, women weren't that, it wasn't such a common thing that women were going to the schools that she was going to in Taiwan. And yet when we came to the United States, she never worked again. She invested her life, her adult life um, in raising my brother and me. And I was raised by her to both fit in, like fit in to American society, um, assimilate, um, pay attention to the clues around you and do what is being asked of you to the point of when I got married to, um, you know, a white man, um, Jewish American, 
beautiful family. And his my my mom actually said to me, you now belong to them. You belong to your mother-in-law. She is your mother now. So imagine sort of, you know, being cast adrift. I felt cast adrift. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I felt like I'd been just like thrown out there on my own to kind of figure things out. And, um, and at that point I realized like if, when I had kids, I wanted my kids to really know that, know that I see them, that there's room for them to be who they are, that I was going to allow them to find their voice. And I, you know, not giving away my power as a parent, but I was going to listen and incorporate who they are and what they wanted in their life into part of the family dialogue. Mm-hmm. It took some work on me to do that, right? Like I, right. I, I realized like I wanted to get rid of being this angry young woman that I was um, because I was raging at the way that I was raised. I felt like I was being stuffed in a box all the time. I um, stayed home with my kids for 10 years. I had worked uh, in environmental protection. I have a master's in public policy. So when I graduated, I worked uh, for the New York City Department of Environmental Protection and a few other nonprofit organizations. And then um, I raised my kids for 10 years. And that was a decision that felt right. You know, I I realized if I was going to have kids, I wanted to invest in being there for them. And I have no regrets about spending that time. And I read books like um, Sequencing and, um, you know, a Woman Warrior by Maxine Hong Kingston. I was like finding like, who am I as a woman in this space of raising my kids? How do I still keep a sense of myself while I'm really invested in giving so much of my time and energy and talents to my family? And because of all of that, I started to invest in myself. Mm. I started to pay attention to, well, what's going to feed me so that I can be a better mom to my kids? You know, what kind of volunteer experiences and so forth. And that brought me to education because I was volunteering a lot of time at their schools. I was actually offered a job by uh, their school to be the director of advancement. At the time, it was director of development, which oversees fundraising and marketing, communications, and I was part of a team that grew tremendously and I learned a lot from working with those people. And that's where I really firmed up the belief that organizations are living things. Mm. At that point in my life, I thought if I had another degree in me, I would go back and get a degree in organizational design um, or organizational psychology. Um, Yet instead I got a master's in educational leadership because I was so committed to seeing systemic change that needed to happen in the public uh, school system, you know, or in the whole world of education in the United States. And I was given the opportunity to co-found an organization called 14,000 Hours. And uh, I was there for a year until I had a really bad car accident, which really stopped me in my tracks and changed again, who I am today. Yeah. I was introduced to somatic um, trauma therapy, right? A friend who had uh, been familiar with that work introduced me to a a trauma therapist. And because it was somatic based, I was able to kind of purge, you know, digest both the grief of having been the driver in a car with four teenage kids, also to um, dealing with concussion, you know, dealing with guilt that I was holding in my body and just processing the trauma of being in, in such a, you know, physical 
physically violent moment in my life. Yeah. Yeah. So that change point, so you've come mm -hmm. from this background of fitting in and working in business and then also then to staying home, which it sounds like you were discovering yourself and, you know, you said there was this raging woman that you were working through. Did you, mm -hmm. And perhaps it sounds like you were using that energy, though you re reoriented that energy and then you started working with education. So you're you're working with your around your children, their school, and you're seeing things about organizations and you've got educational leadership. And then you had this this very unexpected change point. It was like it was like, you know, the DJ's playing in the background and you're hearing the boom. And it's also it goes and mm -hmm. stop, right? Like I stopped for 18 months, mm -hmm. six months of not working. Um, the first six weeks I was in bed in a dark room. Um, whereas at that time I was, you know, trying to launch a nonprofit with uh, a partner in LA. And um, I also started working with a coach for the first time in my life. And that was fabulous to be heard and understood and to be given permission to like, let's pull out of you, you know, more of who you're yearning to be. Mm. And so I, um, I had an icon at that time. It was Olivia Newton-John <laughs> in, in Greece. Like I was like, okay, I'm tired of being the good girl. I'm tired of, um, you know, doing and playing any role that I'm supposed to be. I'm tired of doing anything that feels like an obligation, but I'm not really here to burn everything down. Like it's still me, but who's that chick who wears leather? Not literally, but you know, who's that chick who wears leather and perms her hair and smokes a cigarette and like stomps it out with like her high heels, you know? Mm. Um, there's that energy in me that I uh, just started to play with and, and it, came, it, it gave me more aliveness and fun and playfulness. And, um, and as I, you know, played with that, started to really name with more um, intentionality, like, who am I? What are my values, right? Mm. Um, and feeling like, yes, you know, I'm approaching a certain age that was like in my, you know, 40s, um, uh, you know, it was actually in my late 40s to where I am now, I'm 53. And so, um, in that period, you know, I also um, left a marriage and was in another longtime relationship after. And that ended uh, a year ago, a year and a half ago. And in that, I also moved, um, started this business. I think that, you know, being in relationships or being in places of work or being in a friendship circle or a community that doesn't fit you, right? And you can you can tell that there's a, a glass ceiling or a box around you. It's like being able to face it and realize like it's time for me to move on. Hmm. I've learned what I have to learn here. And the better version of me, the evolutionary version of me is yet still to come. And unless I make any of these changes, I'm not allowing myself to hit that fuller potential of who I am in this moment in time, in this body um, on earth at this 
time in history. Yeah. You were just saying you were having that awareness of it's time to move on. And was that it? How long did that awareness take? Because I know that there are a number of people within the audi my audience, within this mm -hmm. audience, within this group of midlifers, where sometimes that feels scary. If you can feel, oh my gosh, um, so like scary, stuck's place. And would you mind talking a little bit about what may helped you through that, or was it hard? Mm -hmm. Was it easier? I'm curious. Yeah. So. The way that I knew that I was stuck is that in my marriage, I, I'm an earnest person and I'm willing to work. I'm willing to invest and be all in and do the work. And we tried things, you know, we were in a marriage counseling, um, you know, situation for a number of years. Um, we tried to have date nights. We tried, you know, we tried things, but we were seeing life with a different set of values mm -hmm. and we weren't partnering because I've since learned now because he and I are actually really good friends now. I've since heard in his own voice, like he, he didn't want to partner with me on things that I wanted to partner with him on. And that friction was there and got played out, but wasn't actually called out. So um, it's a sensing that, ah, there's so much friction. Why is it so hard? It feels like I'm pushing an elephant through a funnel. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Another example of being stuck is that at work at the time, I had a lot of ideas. I, I had, um, ways of working with people. I had a lot of support and yet I wasn't able to kind of break through into the next level of making organizational change because I also didn't have the partnership of, you know, my boss at that time. And so all of this is um, when you're in a dance with other people, you know, there takes the collaboration. So I took it back into my own field and said, okay, what can I do for myself? Right. And so it was scary um, as hell to step out and contemplate divorce because there's no divorce in my family whatsoever at all. Mm. And um, to leave a job where I'd been for 11 years, right, which was my community, and to try something new, I was taking a risk. I was leaving um, a steady salary and benefits. I had lots of friends, you know, those mm. friends were the same friends that got me through. Um, my divorce and my transition. So uh, it was a it was a sense of trusting myself that I had enough tools to take the next step. And it was also believing that my life was worth it to take some of these risks, to explore and see what might be on the other side. And it literally felt like I was standing with my back to the plane door and that someone else was like opening the plane door and that sucking sound that you see in movies happens. Yeah. <laughs> and, and, and literally that moment I was like, oh my God. And I felt like I was going to get sucked out. Hmm. And actually I did like, once I made the choice, I'm going to let go and leave this job. I'm going to uh, change my life and my relationships. I'm going to change how I show up in the world. Um, I got sucked out of that plane and uh it brought me into this like level of consciousness that it all will work out that um, yes, I need to have living expenses. Yes. I still need to take care of my kids. Yes. My day-to-day -day matters, but that the choosing of myself became so profound, not selfish, mm. but that I, 
I just went into, it literally felt like I was floating in the stars, hearing my own voice, feeling held and supported and feeling like time was irrelevant. So yes, we're in midlife. We're in midlife in this physical form, Mm. but the who I am, I felt like was just such more universal and that I'm here to allow myself to learn and grow as much as possible so that I can fulfill the potential of having the opportunities that I have right now. Uh, Time doesn't feel as linear as it used to. Mm. And I, I'm, I'm fascinated when you had said right before you were talking about the feeling of being like right in front of the plane door and about to be sucked out. You were talking about trusting yourself. Mm-hmm. That seems like a very different place to be uh, from what you described from earlier in your life where you were following the, if you will, rules, the, mm-hmm. the expectations. And what did that that's not always easy for people to to take those leaps no matter what age they are what right. what what did you find was helpful for you in getting to that point of being able to do that to trust yourself was it somatics right. was it the coach was it all of it what do you remember yeah so um the work we do at in tune with companies and the work i do as a somatic coach is to help people really align and center and and be inside themselves. And what that means to me is that there's so many modalities out in the world. You know, there's therapy, somatic coaching, life coaching, playing a musical instrument, being out in nature. Um, There's so much. And we each will find our own recipe Hmm. for what's the right balance that's going to bring us into that alignment every day. And so for me, it's when I wake up, I don't get out of bed. I don't move. I lie there with gratitude. And I just feel gratitude for whatever pops into my mind and I allow it to kind of permeate my body so I can actually feel gratitude. And then I, um, I do a practice where I, uh, trace the outline of my body while I'm still lying in bed. I do a body scan and I'm cutting the ties with any relationships that I went to bed with. And I'm waking up with a fresh start. What relationships belong in my life today? Mm. Where do I want to invest myself? Then I had my concussion. So I have, I give myself 10 energy chips. How do I want to spend my energy today? And it really helps me sharpen the priorities, Mm. move away from drama, um, you know, do things that matter because that's how I build my progress from day to day. Um, The somatics helps me drop into my body so that I feel centered and grounded, totally the opposite feeling of the hamster wheel that you feel like you're, I got to do, I got to do, I got to do. And the spinning, which feels like the hamster wheel, but it goes sideways inside your head of, I need to analyze and think and process and figure this out through my head. I allow myself to feel centered and use that as a tool to come back to multiple, like 20, 30 times a day, just to do a gut check. And, and that's a real thing. It's a gut check with what myself. Gut check. Well, yeah. yeah. So would you, I love that morning um, laying in bed process you're describing, because it's not maybe what a lot of people do is pick up their phone that's right there and instantly check into whatever social media they usually look at. 
But I'm curious now about the multiple times a day, like a gut check. Like, what what does that look like? Would you mind taking us through? Would it be okay to take us through a gut check? Or is there something yeah. else we need to, to know before we would do that? Yeah, I'll, de- I'll describe like the feeling. So for example, if I'm trying to decide whether um, I'm going to take on a new project. I'll go into my head first and I'll think, okay, where is this going to fit into my calendar? Do I have the bandwidth? Do I like this client? Um, is it a good fit? And I start analyzing things, right? Okay. And um, am I going to learn from this project? And, and And that's all part of the process. That's really important to do. But I don't spend more than enough time where I, I go around the sun once with that kind of work. Like I'll mm. I'll analyze it, I'll do it, but I don't live there. I don't spend 80% of my energy spinning in that space. I'll I'll do it. I might make a flow chart, I might make an Excel spreadsheet, you know, whatever pros and cons, whatever helps me to kind of see it visually, to kind of understand it, feel like I've done my due diligence, right? Then I will notice in my own body, like, oh, okay. Now that I've done that, is there a knot anywhere in my body? Do I hold my breath when I think about that work? Or do I feel a sense of excitement? Um, and if I feel a knot, I will then breathe into that knot and then um, let my breath kind of like circulate around that knot and invite the knot to relax. Like what would it take for you not <laughs> to relax a little bit so that I can learn from you? And then as I'm relaxing into it, I'll um, bring my awareness to the lowest chakra in my body. So um, I don't actually know that much about chakra work, but I know that the root creative spirit is in your pelvic bowl, in your lower belly. So I bring my attention there and I just notice like, does that feel at peace or is there a squirrel running around down there? that's saying, pay attention to something else. There's something else to pay attention to. And usually at that point, my gut is telling me yes, no, in a negative way or a positive way. Like, Mm. and if it's, unless it's at peace, I don't move forward with it. I might then have a conversation with my business partner. I might ask for another meeting, you know, with, with a client, I might do something to help me check it one more time. But I now live, um, my life by, I call it clean energy, by having that neutral energy kind of drive how I make decisions. And knowing that that exists in there, I use that to take action on my life rather than second guessing it. Because a lot of times I think, you know, your audience probably knows what their gut instinct is telling them, but we don't often take action from there. Yeah, We talk ourselves out of it. And I just realized that I'm done talking myself out of things because the times that I've been stuck in my life, if I go back and look at that, um, have been because my gut was like screaming and giving me information and it was like flaring up and I was just ignoring it because my head was saying, well, you need to stay in this job. You need to be working this way. You need to be um, paying your dues. Oh, yeah. Right. That's that's there for a lot of people. I think that pain. Is that, yeah. Yeah. Life is not linear. You know, we're taught that life is linear. 
um, by our parents, by schools, you know, as we age in this modern world, it's like your age defines what stage of learning and development you're supposed to be at. Mm -hmm. That's why there's so much angst for kids because kids don't all learn developmentally at the same rate. No, they don't. People have different ways they approach learning. And then as adults, what, after college, we're like thrown out there into the work world and we're supposed to sink or swim? You know, um, that's hard. There can be quite a few expectations in all those places, all those Mm -hmm. areas. Did you find yourself mostly be able to tune into yourself? Did you have any mentors or people that were sort of like, I don't know if I want to say beacons or just examples of the possibility that you did you find any mm. of that helpful? And you don't have to say a, pers- a specific person if you don't mm. want to. But I know you mentioned um, the the book by um, oh about the uh, about woman warrior. You mentioned woman warrior. Uh, oh, that was the Maxine Honkingston. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, actually, I, I really want to name um, Seth Godin. Mm. He's a marketing guru. A lot of people may know him. He has a wonderful, pithy blog. Um, And uh, I did his program called Alt-MBA. It's A-L-T-MBA. And, you know, I had been following his his reading. I read a number of his books. Um, One of them is Lynchpin. And really his message is choose yourself. Everyone, just choose yourself. And the second message is that leadership is everywhere. We are all leaders, right? Regardless of your status, your title, how many dues you've paid, you know, um, teenagers are leaders, right? Mm-hmm. We are all leaders and have leadership qualities in, and, and how do we create bigger containers and better context for people to step into the leadership and all of our leadership can look different. That was eye-opening for me mm. because I, when I came across his work, I was at a time in my life where I was ready to choose myself, mm. but nobody had ever given me that message before. Mm-hmm. It was like, you know, fit in and do what you're told and um, meet the bar. And I, that was, that was so liberating for me. And, and then I, um, you know, in making life changes from divorce to another relationship to um, finding my house, I um, there w- there's information that came in that said something's not right here. Pay attention, talk about it, act on it. And when I did for really big things in my life, the payoff was tremendous. Like like so many gifts came because of that. And I just made a commitment, you know, right then is like, okay, I, I'm going to keep doing this. And, you know, my business partner, Christine Hildebrand, who I also have a podcast with, um, mm-hmm. it's called the business of being human. Um, she was looking for a partner and her intuitive self said that I was the person and I intuitively had a lot of overlapping, you know, characteristics with her and the two of us explored together, like what project can we try together? And it wasn't like, oh, let's go start a business together. It's like, what's something we can work on together that would be fun, right? And just taking that little, and I and I call that an entrepreneurial mindset. Like we can be entrepreneurs in our own lives. We can mm. be the CEOs of our own lives. 
But entrepreneurs start with the minimum viable product. What's the smallest thing that you can do that's going to give you some feedback of, is this idea that I have or the the life that I want really going to be the right track for me? Go do an experiment, you know, um, see your life that's in front of you as like a learning lab or a science experiment. Yeah. And Seth Godin, I've, I'm very familiar with, with him. I, I, I've been more exposed to him lately. And I feel like he says that message a lot too, like go try mm-hmm. something, be willing to risk. It sounds like there was a message as you were talking about choosing yourself and being a leader and you were in that place of being willing to change. It was, it was like you were really getting the permission, which I think a lot of people don't feel like they have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, th- and that's what brought me into coaching because I was so motivated by that aha of like, oh, everybody needs to give themselves permission mm. to be who they are, to know who they are, to explore their life and not have to get it right. You know, um, we don't have to come out of the gate and land the perfect job. Right. You know, we don't have to come out of the gate and build the perfect business. You well, know, but what are steps? Yeah. 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 I was going to say, like, I, that's such a pervasive belief. I feel like people are like, oh, no, it ha- for for those who tend to I, I myself have done that with like when he's thinking something needs to be perfect before releasing it. And all I have to do is look at my computer and go, there are multiple changes and iterations in improvements to software to products that mm-hmm. I think we forget. We just kind of like go, oh, it landed in my in my hand or on my desktop, for example, fully fleshed out. Well, not really. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. it's there, and they know that there's going to be changes and improvements. But mm-hmm. I think we personally forget that for those of us we who do are who've had that idea that it needs to look perfect in the beginning rather than, yeah, what's one little experiment? Mm-hmm. And just, and that's where you and I've talked about it before, follow the energy comes in mm. because you do that experiment and you get feedback, right. you know, you does, did it work? Did I enjoy doing it? Was this the right person to be working with? Mm. Is there any nugget out of this thing that I can like bring into my life? Right. And and um, and then to play with that. And so you follow the energy of what brings you joy, what gives you more aliveness in yourself, what makes you smile, you know, giggle when you do it. Yeah. And I think that's really important. And I, somewhere in, I think, our human history, because our ancestors, I think, really did struggle. And it was perhaps difficult to find enjoyment. Mm. But I mm-hmm. think that story has pervaded, like, it must be struggle. It must be hard. Don't have fun with it but i've seen the cracks mm-hmm. and i think in this in the past 50 plus years mm-hmm. collectively i mean there's always been if you will people who believe that and done that mm-hmm. um, but it's i think it's it feels for so many people like a challenge until you do it do you what do you think of that that it, like yeah, it's, it's a challenge it, until you personally go like i'm gonna go that way yeah, it's so liberating. You know, everybody I know who's I I call it like kind of crossing to the other side, but it's not really a line. It's just a choice. Mm. So um, I think realizing that we have so much choice in our lives from am I going to sit down now and um, answer all these emails? Am I going to work on this project versus that project? Mm. Am I going to ask for a raise? Am I going to, you know, try this experiment? All of that. Um you are fully in command of your choice making. Mm. And, yeah. and by doing that, it gives us a measure of power 
back that feels like, okay, oh, actually, I'm not at the whim of everybody else. And I'm not at the whim of this company or this life that I've been told I have to live. But I, and then, and then when you take choice on, there's something inside your heart that like rejoices in you seeing yourself. You know, it's almost like a, a younger version of yourself is in there just rooting for you and saying, you go, like, go get it. It's going to be different, you know? And um, I really applaud that for people. You know, I, I, I offer that out for people. Yeah. What, so you've had these decisions and you've made these choices and I know you've had the, the challenge of the, the car accident, that shift. And we're talking about experiments. Do you mind sharing like the times when it didn't work out, like a like a time that it would have failed? Mm -hmm. And how? Mm -hmm. What did you What did you do? When I was working on the nonprofit the year before my car accident, I was following my intuition and working um, as hard as I could to uh, to create a message of change in education. And um, I got to a place where things were actually about to blossom and bloom. And I was working with a, a partner who we, again, didn't have, the, we weren't completely aligned in the execution of the how, even though we were aligned on the why we were doing the work. And uh, because of that, we weren't getting traction. So we needed that alignment to really lock us and step with one another. And then I had my car accident. So, you know, the failure there, um, I think was coming and it was, um, you know, it was being more visible for me. And I knew that soon I was going to uh, leave or want to leave or make a change there. And so I've had a lot of angst about it because it was work that I really deeply cared about. And a lot of angst of using a year's worth of resources for something that no longer exists, you know, that feels mm -hmm. bad. Um, of creating something that I felt like was ready to pop open and be visible and have, you know, bring attract the people in that we wanted to for the work that we were doing. And uh, we were in disagreement around it. And so I have helped felt a lot of personal hurt and pain around investing so much in work like that, that didn't lift. But um, what I've learned to do is digest it. You know, like I can, as talking about it right now, I can feel my heart rate go up mm. and I can feel, which means that that pain is still there and real, but how I respond to the pain, I don't get stuck there. I don't let that story and that my heart rate going up and the anxiety that I can feel talking about it, um, put me back into that place where I live in that place all the time of like blaming myself or shaming myself. Or I actually had someone say to me when I started in tune, well, I hope this one sticks. <laughs> mm -hmm. I hope this one finally works out. And I'm like, no, actually it's all learning, right? Like what I learned there was, oh, how do I create a team from scratch? How do I build channels for marketing messaging? How do I experiment with um, a retreat? How do I evaluate the right people to bring on board? You know, there are other things that I was learning. And so um, I learned that the message resonated with some heavy hitter people that I was, you know, put in contact with. And so that all sits in me. That's all part of my lived experience. And so I'm not going to take that away. And the way that I deal with those outer voices of um, failure mm -hmm. is just breathing through the anxiety. I feel my back, it gets all kind of um, 
my back gets up, you know, the anxiety is like coursing through. I just breathe and I let my breath kind of mingle with the energy of anxiety or fear inside my body until my body has digested it. Just like you eat food. We need to spend time with our emotions and let digest them and allow them to mix in with our cells so that we're not locking them in to our cellular bodies, which then traumatizes us over long-term. Right. Yeah. And I'm thinking as you were saying that, because again, you and I have known each other a little bit and talking about somatics, do you also, right. I found that movement can help me sometimes mm -hmm. if I'm in the, what I would sometimes I, feeling, feeling the anxiety, the anxiety in my body, but also mm -hmm. how I, I get, we, we talked about the hamster wheel earlier and some of that mm -hmm. mind spin. Mm -hmm. And I, uh, I found it you sometimes, want, yeah. sometimes moving. Yeah. Do you want a really simple exercise around that? Oh, that would I be think, fabulous. Do you, would you mind I think this would be that? accessible to anyone, you know, um, it's, you know how you do squats when you go to the gym. So yes. you basically, um, you might squat down and then you stand back up and you do it and you can start feeling the burn in your quads. You might still start feeling the burn in your lower back. Now, if you were to add a couple elements to doing squats, so when you're squatting, you're usually just doing it for exercise for your muscles and your body, maybe a little cardio. But what if you were doing it and asking yourself, what am I training for? Mm. So just adding that thought as you squat down and come back up. And what am I training for? I am training for trusting myself. I'm training for living the life that I want. I'm training for moving out of stuckness. Hmm. And then the second add-on is as you, I put my hands, you know, in prayer, like right at my heart when I go down. And when I stand up, I open my arms wide, opening my heart and my chest. And so as I'm coming up that rush of like openness, while you're asking that question, what am I training for? And if you know what you're training for, if you know, like I'm training to be, um, to feel more aliveness. I'm training to um, be bold in my 50s, 60s, 70s, right? And as you stand up, you are thinking that thought and flinging your arms open. And I'm training for aliveness. I'm training to be bold. And you will feel the power in your body because you, your muscles are at work. Mm -hmm. right. Your heart is open. And then your mind in using a thought that is really guiding you, you're baking all of that in together. You're baking it in. And I got to interject because they can't see you. But as I'm watching you and you said that, and you might have heard it in Wendy's voice, but she smiles when she opens her arms wide. Because I think it, it it really resonates for you as you say some of those statements, as you say mm -hmm. some of those things, like I'm training for aliveness. And there was this big smile as you opened your arms. I just love that because it feels different than just... If we're, I, I think it's like taking that all in, it, like really coming from your heart when you say that. Mm -hmm. We talked about the, the the inner, like small child within. And I, I think back to times when I watched my children, probably when you've probably seen it in your own and thinking back to my own life, like as kids, we're just often just so like immediately open to mm -hmm. feelings unless something else has happened. But often in little children, it's still there. So I like to think about that, like what's that inner little that little girl inside gonna do she's gonna like fling her arms open wide and just be in it 
we are we are energetic beings, you know. And if you have a choice of living a life that has energy that's positive and generative and joyful, why would we not choose that over um, energy that keeps us spinning and feeling negative and feeling stuck? Right. Mm-hmm. They're both energetic ways of being in a daily life and also in an arc of a, a lifetime. Hmm. Yes. And I think that's a, there's so many more inputs we have into our life and just being able to remember that, as you said, like coming, finding the way to bring that into our lives multiple times a day. I think you said like, what number was it you gave? 20, 50? It was just, it was just like regularly. Yeah. It's, but it's a practice. Yeah. It's a practice like anything else. Um, and the trigger would- for me there, Krista, is like when I feel like I'm holding my breath, mm. right? Like during the day, I'll check in. I'm like, why am I holding my breath right now? And that's my first signal that something's off. And then I'll go do a gut check. Like, what is it that, you know, is making me feel this way? Yeah. Yeah. And I love it. Yeah. I love that because, well, you and I have spoken before. My The listeners. The I love listeners our somatic connection. I know. It's yeah. so fun. Like, I think it's when I grew up, as I grew up, I grew up with a lot of love of movement. And so... Um, that's something I've had to bring back into my own life um, mm-hmm. more regularly rather than like, let's just sit, let's be, let's, it never really quite worked for me. Um, so the somatics really, I find helps me tune back into my body and into, into my center. I'm wondering, because I know we are going to be coming to a close here mm-hmm. soon. Uh, you've mentioned some excellent um resources you've dropped a few in but with maxine horn king maxine hong kingston right mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and um the somatic training you had and i'm going to put these um i'm going to link these in the show notes so people really want to right. remember them so they don't have to pause the the inter- the conversation we're having too often and seth godin is there any resource or resources and even the ones that you and um your partner into your partners at into mm-hmm. provide mm-hmm. that you recommend for people who are maybe not quite in this place where you are, but they're just getting started and they know mm. that they want to choose themselves and they want more. They want to have that inner connection. Yes. Um, on our Intune website, and also if you, um, I'll send you the link, Krista, we have a SoundCloud right. channel that has a lot of free meditations mm. and they're all along the lines of, you know, how do you ground? How do you center? How do you feel dignity in your body? Things that allow, allow you to start feeling yourself and um, get out of your head, mm-hmm. right? So you can really just have a practice of grounding. I am absolutely loving Sync uh, Tuition. It's, it's a newish app. They use binaural beats, so they work with your brain waves. They've crowdsourced um, sounds from all across the globe. And so it's like sound engineered meditation. I've never experienced anything like it. I actually listened to one the other day and I started laughing out loud. I'm like, where did that come from? And, mm. you know, it's, um, it's pretty profound, these meditations. You know, mm. Insight uh, Timer is another Right. Great um, resource. I want to say that there are lots of free resources out there. You might also check into um, the law of attraction and just do some reading about what that is. Okay. Um, 
And then at some point, you probably will be investing some money in yourself and your growth because there are excellent life coaches out there. Um, there are um, there are trainings. So the Strozzi Institute in Petaluma has both online and live programs up at the ranch uh, where they do training. It's a blend of martial arts and uh, meditation and sitting, and then this whole body of work around somatic awareness and changing the shape of your life. I took their like introductions five week, six week course earlier this year. I recommend that too. I, I will. Yes. Yeah. They do that occasionally yes. online free for people. It was mm-hmm. excellent. And Coaches Rising is an organization that's global. They have amazing coach training programs um, around somatic trauma-informed uh, work. And um, if anybody wants to go really deep into um, somatics, there's also David Trelevin's work. It's trauma-informed uh, uh, somatics, and his training's excellent. Okay. I knew I know a few other coaches that you and I know in common that have gone through his program. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. This is this is an excellent an excellent start because some of those I, yeah. Go ahead. Um, I have one more, um, which is search inside yourself. It it was a program that was started at Google that helped people uh, learn about mindfulness. And it's a six-week program. I've done it. Um, I bring a lot of that work into my work with clients as well. But it's a good starting point for someone who doesn't know or understand how our brains work, how, um, you know, how we can develop a mindful practice in a very sort of structured way of learning it. Mm, excellent. I have not heard of that one. So I will, mm. I will, I will look for that and I will put that definitely in our show notes. So what do you wish people could know or what is, um, What's the one piece of advice if you were talking to, there's this great visual question. I feel like if you had this stadium full of a million people and you had just about a minute to share the one piece of advice that you think is like the most important, what would you say? What would you share? It's mm, such a great question. Okay, so my so what I'm doing is my brain has a couple of thoughts. Mm-hmm. And I'm kind of like using each one and kind of checking with my gut mm-hmm. to see the resonance. And the strongest one is, you know, honestly, it's to love yourself. Mm. And when we love and accept ourselves, it unlocks everything else. However you get there, you know, um, you know, whatever your relationship is with your parents, with your partner, you know, you walk this journey and you have the opportunity to really love yourself, know yourself and see yourself, give yourself the recognition, the kudos, the, you know, everything you need, you have the capability to give that to yourself without waiting for it from anyone else. Mm-hmm. And that's like, you know, you're, you're human powered and you are now self-powered. You know, you don't need any external energy or permission or um, anything like you can flip that switch and turn it on. Yeah. Yeah. As you said that, I just felt like I wanted to put my hand on my heart and just take that in. 
And take a breath. Mm-hmm. What would your life look like if you could love yourself? Mm-hmm. And if that makes you cry when you hear those words, just be with the crying. Allow the tears to come. They, they need to come. You have the power to love yourself. I think I can't add anything more to that, Wendy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and you can hear my voice. I, I, just I can hear like, your voice. Oh, if it's such it's such a message that I think I feel like I want to record it and put it on my phone <laughs> for those times <laughs> when nobody is around. But to tell, just you know. But it, I think it's so important. I think that's when you talked about just laughing out loud in a meditation. It makes it, it reminds me of how much we laugh and you know again things being in a relatively stable environment as a child it's like but how often children laugh Mm -hmm. versus Mm -hmm. when we're adults like how often we feel that you know we we have that allowance if you will to feel joy it often isn't as great it just we've it's changed so much i just want to thank you so much for coming and being in this conversation with me and letting us uh, let me share this with the listeners. Um, as I told you before we started recording, you are the inaugural conversation mm-hmm. interview for the podcast. And I'm just so grateful and honored that you came to share today and being yourself. And um, it's just so good to be with you again and to have this time together. And I, I'm just hoping that, uh, you know, there's some nuggets in here. I know there's nuggets, but that, that someone, that people are able to hear a nugget or two that allows them to be more of who they are. Absolutely. Thank you, dear Krista, my friend with a beautiful message. And um, thank you for this opportunity for us to talk in public together about things that we both care about. Yeah. Well, I know that there's a much longer conversation we could have sometime Mm -hmm. and maybe we'll do it again. Mm -hmm. Excellent. Thank you. All right. Thank you. I had so much fun with that interview and I hope you enjoyed or found something useful as well. Just a quick note here to let you know, I have included links and details for resources that Wendy mentioned in the podcast. I do hope you'll go check out Intune Collective and Wendy's podcast. And I hope there's something in there today in this episode that helps you have a bolder day. Take good care. I'll talk to you soon. Thanks for listening. If you heard something helpful in today's podcast, please leave a five-star rating and tell me and other listeners about it in a review. If you leave a five-star review, I'll give you a shout out in a future episode. Thanks again and have a bolder day.